Well, folks, we're turning this morning to the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. Luke and the chapter 1 for our scripture reading. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, and we want to break into the chapter at the verse 26. Luke chapter 1, and we're reading from the verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favoured, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days, and went into the hill a country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. 
He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich hath he sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Amen. And we'll end our reading there at verse 55. Trusting the Lord will bless the reading of his word for his own namesake. Let's just bow together in a brief word of prayer, and then we'll come to this passage of Scripture, please. Our gracious God and Father in heaven, we thank thee again even for thy precious word. We thank thee we don't come to the words and opinions of men, but Father, we thank thee that we come to the inspired, the inerrant, and the infallible word of the living God. And Father, we do pray this morning that thou would come, and Lord, take indeed the very word of God and apply it to the hearts of each and every one of us. Speak to our hearts. Oh, that above and beyond the very voice of the preacher would be heard that still small speaking voice of God the Holy Ghost. Lord, do remember indeed each and every soul that is here, some with burdens upon the hearts. And Father, we just pray today that thou would draw near, for we thank thee that burdens are lifted at Calvary, and Jesus is very near. To that end we do pray, cleanse us afresh now in thy precious blood, empty us of sin and of self, nail the flesh to the cross, and oh, that thou would anoint us today with the very spirit and the power of God, and oh, that today the excellency would be of God and not of man, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When you turn to the Bible, apart from all the well-known characters, there are many unsung heroes uh, in the Bible. And I think when you come to this season of the year and to the whole Christmas time, when it comes to two of the great characters in the Bible, that our unsung heroes would have to be Joseph and Mary. When you look at Joseph, although he doesn't bring any gifts, although he doesn't sing any songs, Although he doesn't make any speeches at the birth of Christ, he's a man who can teach us a lot about standing on the promises of God. The Lord told Joseph that he was going to be a part of seeing that promise of the Messiah being born coming true. And even though it's interesting when you study Joseph, he doesn't actually say anything in the Bible. There's not a word recorded from Joseph in all of the Bible. And yet, even though you read that, there are a lot of things that are said about Joseph. And even though the Lord messed up Joseph's plans for his life, the Lord's plans for Joseph were much bigger and much better than Joseph's plans ever were for himself. And Joseph stands out amongst all the Bible characters. Indeed, in the midst of all of his doubts and his difficulties and his dangers, in that he believed the promise of God. And so... When you look at Joseph, you can think of the promise indeed believed. But as we come to think about Mary, and it's Mary I want us to think about this morning. When you look at Mary, we see here in the passage we've just read, the promise of God conceived. You see, today we live in an age in which promises are often broken. How often do you hear people say promises were meant to be broken? And unfortunately, when you're dealing with people, you come to expect promises to be broken. You find that people break their promises, politicians make promises they can't keep, and indeed there are so many that make promises that they break even each and every day. And you know, breaking promises happens all the time, and we've almost come to expect it. But at this season of the year, we're reminded that God always keeps his promises. And the incarnation is the fulfilment 
of the greatest promise that was ever made to man. And you can spend a thousand lifetimes searching every word that has ever been written and you'll never find a story as beautiful and as wonderful and as supernatural as the story about the birth of Christ. And the beauty of it is not just the fact that it's true, that it's historical truth, that it actually happened. But the real beauty is it, of it is that it reminds us that God is a God of truth. And every promise that he makes in his word to you, he'll never ever fail to keep even one of them. So you find that God made a promise at the very beginning of time, right back there in the Garden of Eden, that he would one day send the Messiah of the Jews and the Saviour of the world down to planet Earth. And in Joseph, as I said, we see him believing the promise. But now when you look at Mary, you see the promise conceived. And this story has an amazing beginning because in Luke chapter 1 there, in that first verse that we read, verse 26, we're told that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, remember always, of course, that the Bible is an Eastern book. And Jewish readers would have been amazed at the very beginning of this story because Gabriel ignores Judea, which was the very heart of the work of God throughout the centuries. And where does he go in all of Israel? He goes to Galilee. Now, you and I think of Galilee and our first thought is that we think of Christ. We think of the life of Christ. We think of the disciples and their ministry around the Sea of Galilee. But, you know, prior to all of that, as far as the Orthodox Jew was concerned, Galilee was a very, very backward part of the country. And indeed, it was filled with very, very backward country folk. And even more, not only did the angel bypass Judea for Galilee, but he bypassed the city of Jerusalem, the capital city, the royal city. And he bypassed that for a little town called Nazareth. And then the angel announces that God is going to keep his promise of sending the saviour of the world and the promised Messiah into the world through a young peasant girl named Mary. And thus the God of the universe leaves the very realms and the splendour of heaven and indeed is born as a baby to live amongst the very people that he himself created. And the Lord had a whole world of women to choose from. But he chose a poor, peasant, teenage Jewish girl named Mary. And when we understand why he chose Mary, it gives us a great hope and understanding of why God would choose us. And indeed use us for his glory, even in this world in which we live. You see, Mary was the only person who was present at both the birth of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ. Now think about that. Think about all the, the characters in the Bible. And she's the only one that was present at both of those occasions. Mary was the woman who saw the Lord Jesus come into the world as her son and then leave this world as her saviour. 
And today more little girls are named Mary almost than any other name. When you look up indeed the names that are being given to babies today, it is still one of the most popular names that is given to girls. And the various Marys are mentioned 54 times in the New Testament. So without question, Mary's one of the best known women in the history of the world and she's the most famous mother in history. Now today, because of the way Romanism has completely perverted the whole character of Mary, there are a lot of misconceptions about her. You find, for instance, nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're to worship Mary. We're to worship Christ and Christ alone. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're to pray to Mary. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Mary was perfect. Nowhere does it say that she was sinless. In fact, we know she was a sinner because in this passage we've just read together, she rejoiced in God her Saviour. So Mary needed a Saviour. And nowhere does it say that she was co-equal with God as the Roman Catholic Church would teach. What is so special about Mary, I think, is the fact that she was just an ordinary girl. Nothing special about her. Nothing to make her stand out. She was just an ordinary, run-of-the-mill, teenage peasant girl. But she was used in an extraordinary way. <coughs> Excuse me. And what we learn from the story of Mary is that God chose her. Not because there was anything special in her, but just because of the grace of God. And what you're also going to see is that the reasons God was able to use Mary, and the reason why the God is able to use you and I, is simply because of the grace of our God. That day and hour in which you got saved, believer, there was nothing special in you. God didn't choose you because you were better than anyone else or more gifted than anyone else. In fact, many of us would have to say, if we were to give our testimonies, that we were worse than everybody else. But God reached down even into the very muck and mire of sin and he lifted us up and he chose us even by his sovereign grace. And you'll find that Mary did three things that allowed God to use her, that allowed God to bless her in such a special way that she never ever dreamed of. And if you and I do these three things on a daily basis, then the Lord is able to use us as well. What were the three things that Mary did that enabled the Lord to bless her? Well, first of all, you'll find that she decided to believe God's word. She believed. Put yourself in the place of this teenage peasant girl who's by all instances illiterate uneducated in no sense a spiritual powerhouse but just a humble little jewish girl who loves the lord and wants day one day wants to get married one day wants to have a family and then suddenly without any prior notice or warning an angel of god appears and speaks these words behold Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. But wait a minute. Mary's not married. Mary's never had a husband. But an angel is now telling her that she's going to have a baby. 
And you can expect Mary responded just exactly in the same way in which you would have done. In fact, in verse 34 here we read, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God, for with God nothing shall be impossible. So here's this angel suddenly appeared before Mary, as startling enough as that would have been. And here he is speaking to Mary on behalf of God, and he's giving her a word. He's giving her a promise from the Lord that Mary would conceive this child as a virgin and she would bear this child as a virgin. A virgin. It was going to be a miraculous conception and it was going to be a miraculous birth. Now Mary knew enough about biology to ask the question, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. A legitimate question. And indeed, the supernatural answer is given. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And so Mary's not left to wonder how God will keep his promise. Now there are just two reasons why there had to be a virgin birth. In order for the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Saviour of the world, in order for him to die for the sins of all those that will place their trust and their faith in him, you find that Christ had to be born sinless. That's a requirement for the Messiah. Had he been born of an earthly father and an earthly mother, he would have been born in sin, just as you and I were. We were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. And indeed, he had to be born sinless, he could not have been born in sin like everyone else. He could not have lived that perfect life. He could not have died that sacrificial death if he had have been born a sinner. And therefore Christ was never tainted with human sin, even though he took upon himself a human body. So he had to be born sinless. And then the second reason why he had to be born of a virgin was because that was the promise God had already given in Scripture. Way back in Isaiah chapter 7 and the verse 14, the prophecy was given, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's the promise given. Here's one of the very proofs that Christ is indeed the very Son of God. Because what was impossible with man was gloriously possible with God. And you find... That when God makes a promise that a baby will be born of a virgin, then indeed the Lord comes and he gives that provision and enables that to take place. And so the reason why the Lord was able to use Mary in such a mighty and such a wonderful way was because simply she believed the word of God. She believed the promises of God. Now Mary's cousin Elizabeth also understood that because she said in Verse 45 here, blessed is she that believed. In other words, Mary was blessed because she believed. And you know, we're Christians and we're saved today because we believed. We believed the gospel. 
We accepted Christ. We repented of our sins. And because we stepped up and stepped out on the promises of God, we're blessed today above all the people of the world because our sins are forgiven. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we have the very promise of God that one day not only will we be with him, but one day we'll be like him for all of eternity. And indeed, if you're saved this morning, you'll never ever see the judgment fires of hell. But instead, you'll walk the golden streets of heaven. And what a tremendous thing it is to be blessed. Are you blessed today? Are you experiencing the very blessings of God? Because whenever you believe the promises of God, the Lord blesses you. Now, that doesn't mean that everything can be going well in life. You can be in the midst of trial, trouble and tragedy. But if you just stand upon the promises of God and you believe the Lord, then indeed you'll be blessed. And what a wonderful thing it is to believe the word of God. Have you believed? Has there been a day and hour in your life in which you've believed the very scriptures, even the preaching of Christ himself? The Bible tells us that the Son of God came to seek and to save that which is lost. And that little verse sums up the whole world. That little verse breaks the whole world into two categories. Those who are lost and those who are saved. And what makes the difference? The saved are those that believe and receive the very promises of God. What a great thing it is to be saved. What a great thing it is to know that no matter what may come, the Lord will never leave you. The Lord will, will never forsake you. And that the promises of God will stand longer than this old world in which we live. So as we look here at Mary, the first thing she did that enabled the Lord to bless her was that she decided to believe God's word. And you know, folks, as we're coming to the end of this old year and looking forward to a new year, we've got to believe the promises of God. We've got to step out in obedience to the word of God. And if we do that, then the Lord will meet with us and the Lord will bless us. So she believed. She decided to believe God's word. And then notice, secondly, she determined to do God's will. You see, talk is cheap, as they say. And it's one thing to say you believe God's word. But the acid test as to whether or not you really believe is whether or not you do God's word. And one of the most frustrating things for a minister to watch are people who talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. You meet some people and my, they're all the things that they tell you they're doing. I was chatting to a man from my own congregation recently. And I went to have a chat to him because he's a saved man. But in the seven years I've been in Hillsborough, I've never seen him in a prayer meeting. Seven years, and I've never seen this Christian man in a prayer meeting. So I went to have a chat to him and talk to him because it was upon my heart. But my, when I spoke to him, he talked the talk, all the wonderful things that he was doing for the Lord. And I said, you know, that's an amazing thing, brother. I said that we never ever see you doing it in the church. Some people are very good at talking the talk but they don't walk the walk. You ever met anyone like that? You met some believers and my, they'll be shouting from the rooftops on a Sunday, but when you see them on a Monday, it's almost a totally different person completely. And you know, God's promises are not just to be believed. They're to be acted upon. 
They're to be obeyed. And you are to live as if you know the promise is true and that God will, will keep it. Do you believe the promises of God? Otherwise, what good is it if God makes a promise and keeps the promise and that promise has no effect whatsoever upon you? Believe you'll never achieve God's best for your life. You'll never fulfill God's purpose for your life until you come to that point where you're ready and willing to do his will more than anything else you want to do in life. <coughs> you know, we live in a very, very busy time. They talk about the rat race in which we live and people are busy. This time of the year, it's, it's a flat out time and there's so much for us to do. But in all the midst of the things that you did this week, did you do the Lord's will? Did you do those things that he wanted you to do? Did you spend time with the Lord? Did you spend time talking to the Lord? Listening to the Lord? Living for the Lord? You know, God has a plan and a purpose that he has custom built just for you because you're an individual this morning and the Lord's will for your life is not necessarily the same as the Lord's will for my life. And the Lord has a path for you to follow. And the Lord has indeed a life for you to live. And there'll be many a bump in the road. There'll be many a challenge for you to face. But in the midst of all of that, you're to stand upon the promises of God. And you're to live a life according to the Lord's will. You know, you don't want to waste a life. You know, some people squander their lives just as easily as some people squander money. And the Lord's responsibility is to reveal his will to us. But then it's our responsibility to do it. And that's why the Lord used Mary. She was determined to do the Lord's will. So I believe that her response would have pleased the Lord when she said in verse 38, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Now think about that for a moment. Mary was willing to accept everything that was going to happen to her. Now it was not going to be Christmas Day for Mary, the day that the angel spoke to her. There was going to be an unpleasant time ahead for her. There was going to be a difficult time ahead for her. There were going to be hard things ahead for her as being in the Lord's will. Because don't forget that it would not have been easy for her to say yes to the Lord's will. As we pointed out here, you know, when you think about the fact that this young Jewish teenage girl, she wasn't married and yet now she falls pregnant. Can you just imagine how the tongues would have wagged in those days? Just imagine the gossip that there would have been about it. How many people would have believed a story such as hers? How many people would have believed that it was God that made her pregnant? So she gave up her reputation in the community as far as many people were concerned. In fact, basically for the rest of her life. And doing what God asked of her meant that she was going to now risk everything. She was risking her parents. She was risking her friends. She was risking her fiancé. Because how, how was he going to respond? You know, she was betrothed. It was a lot stronger than an engagement in our day. But we'll say that she was engaged. And then all of a sudden she's pregnant. 
And the fiancé knows, well, he had nothing to do with it. How's he going to respond? What are her parents going to say? What about her friends? And believer, if you get serious about doing the Lord's will for, for your life, not only are you not always going to understand what the Lord is doing in your life, but you know, there are going to be people who misunderstand what the Lord's doing in your life. Sometimes they may even misjudge you. Sometimes they may even criticise you for doing the will of God. You know, when I quit my profession before I went into the ministry, at the time I just got all my qualifications, I was actually working offshore on oil rigs and I was making a lot of money and I was quite content with the way things were going in my life. But then I got saved. The Lord called me into the ministry. And when I walked away from all of that to enter into Bible college for the next four years, not earn a penny, but instead have to pay for the privilege of being there, I received a lot of criticism. My parents thought I was doing the wrong thing. My wife's parents, they thought I was doing the wrong thing. And sadly, even some in the church that I belonged to, and I belonged to a little congregation, only the same size as this one that had about 30 people in it. And there was one man in, there, in, that, ch in that church, a young fellow, and he came along to see me and he told me I was doing the wrong thing. He thought I was just trying to promote myself as a novice because I'd only been saved for between one and two years. But you know, when you step out into God's will, you'll find that all the criticism goes with the territory. So you have to come to a point in your life where you get determined that you care more about what the Lord thinks about you than what you do about what anyone else thinks about you. Because you'll never, ever be able to please everybody. Abraham Lincoln, American president, was actually a born-again believer. And he had a famous saying that he once said, he said, you can please, you can please uh, some of the people all of the time, you can please all of the people some of the time, but you can't please all of the people all of the time. And that's very, very true in life. And that's one of the things that you soon discover in the Lord's will. And so the point that Mary is teaching us here is that obeying the will of God for your life is not going to be easy. The Lord's plan for your life sometimes is going to be a lot harder for you than your own plans would have been. And that is why many people don't go the Lord's way. Because how many people prefer to go the easy way? How many people choose to go indeed down the road they want to go in life instead of where the Lord wants them to go? They want to take the course where there's the least resistance. And do you know why the Lord sometimes does it the hard way? Because he's more interested in your character as a believer than he is in your comfort. And when you go through the heartaches of life, that's when the Lord strengthens you. That's when the Lord draws near to you. And that's when you learn lessons about the Lord that you would never have learned if you'd gone the easy way. I mean, isn't it just human nature when all's going well and I'm blessed and I don't have a care in the world? Well, here's me and I'm happy and the Lord's over here. But when suddenly the rug's pulled out from under me and everything around me collapses and things are difficult and life is hard, what happens? All of a sudden, I get close to the Lord again. And all of a sudden, I pray more than I've ever prayed. I read more than I've ever read. And the Lord draws near to me during those difficult times 
in a way in which he wasn't doing before when all was well because there was almost that spirit of independency within me because I was doing fine. But when all of a sudden your heart is broken, it is then that you draw near to the Lord and the Lord begins to minister to you. And it doesn't matter how long you've been down the Christian road. It doesn't matter if you're the oldest Christian in the meeting. And I don't mean in number of years as to who's the oldest, but who's been saved the longest. You'll find that you're always learning and the Lord is always teaching because we're sinners saved by grace and we're not all that we should be. But praise God, we're not all that we used to be. And you know, when you think about it, it's the same way when you look at, at children. You know, when, when you think about, you know, a little baby, a little baby doesn't have a lot to worry about. Usually there's just two things I can think of they're worrying about. They either want fed or they want change. There's not a lot in between. And they soon let you know which one they want. And in the same way, you see, whenever it comes to getting saved, as a babe in Christ, you don't have much to worry about initially. When you're first saved, you just spend all of your time feeding yourself, getting to grips with what the Bible teaches, trying to understand the doctrines of the book. But then as you begin to grow in the Lord and become spiritually mature, it is then that the Lord comes and he begins to help you to mature and give you more and more responsibilities in life. You know, like I said, whenever we're children, we don't have much to worry about. A primary school child may think they've got a few things to worry about, but we know they don't have a lot to worry about. They don't have to worry about paying mortgages and bills and keeping a roof over their head. They just get up in the morning and, you know, the clothes are ready, the meals are ready, and everything's done for them. The house is nice and warm and everything's prepared. But when that child grows up and becomes an adult, and leaves school and goes out to work, then all of a sudden the world changes. And all the responsibilities of life come upon them. I had a daughter just got married in September there. And all of a sudden she's learning now all these things she never had to worry about before. Pay, working every week just to pay bills, she was telling me the other day. And I said, welcome to the real world. That's what life's all about. And that's what it's when you, when you grow up and you leave home, then suddenly there's all these things you've got to do. And in the same way, the Lord wants you and I to mature spiritually. Just as it's only right for a baby to grow into a child, a child to grow into an adult, spiritually, the Lord doesn't want you to be a spiritual babe in Christ forever. The Lord wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. He wants you to grow more and more into the image of his own son. And that's why the Lord comes and indeed works in our lives. And the Lord wants to teach you to trust him. To trust him with everything, even the, 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 the things that are dearest to you in life is what the Lord wants you to trust him with. And here's Mary, and she was determined to do God's will. And then notice that the lastly, she desired to prioritize God's worship. You know, there are a lot of people who go to church every week. They sing hymns, they listen to the sermon, they pay into the church. But you know, they're not worshiping God. Only those who have decided to believe God's word, who are determined to do God's will and desire to prioritize indeed God's worship. You see, it's easy to prove that from scripture. In John chapter 4 and verse 24, the Lord Jesus said, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, do you know what that verse means? Only those who have trusted Christ as their saviour 
by believing in him and are thus filled with the spirit of God and walking in obedience to him by doing his will, they're the only ones that are worshipping God. Now, how many apostate churches could we go into today where you've got an unsaved minister in the pulpit and you've got a whole congregation of unconverted people and they're singing hymns, they're reading the Bible, but the Lord says they're not worshipping him because they're not worshipping him in spirit and in truth. The Holy Ghost is not there within them. And to worship God aright, you've got to believe and to walk with him. And that's what we see in Mary. You know, Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. And then the rest of what you read there from verses 48 to 55 of chapter 1 is really Mary's song of praise. And when you think about it, it's amazing. Here's Mary. She's never known a man. She's going to have a baby. The poor girl, her reputation's in ruins as far as the community's concerned. She may have lost some friends. She may have lost, indeed, a family. There's not a lot of mention here about a family, is there, is there when you read it? It's very interesting. She's at risk of losing a fiancé. She could have lost everything. And she's got every reason to be worried sick and to be worrying about everything. But what's she doing? She's worshipping God. She's drawing close to the Lord. Instead of panicking about the situation she finds herself in, now she's praising the Lord. She's leaning upon him and she's trusting in the Lord with everything. And when you get into that situation where you think that you're in over your head, even though you're just doing the Lord's will, and it appears to be getting more and more difficult and perhaps even more and more dangerous by the minute, don't give in to the flesh and worry. But rather... Indeed, react in the spirit and worship God. Look to him and realize that he has an eternal plan and purpose for you. And for every problem, there's a promise. And for every promise, there's a provision. And in closing, there's just one more thing that I'd point out about Mary. This one thing is the secret to Mary's greatness. It's the secret to her relationship with God. In verse 47, we're told that she was in God, but the angel had just told her that God was in her. And that's the real definition there of a Christian. It is someone who lives in God and someone who has God living in them. Of all the millions of women who have ever lived upon this earth, only Mary carried and nursed the Son of God. She was the only human who had a face that resembled the face of Christ. No wonder she said in verse 48, For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. And Mary was blessed. She was greatly blessed. But it wasn't because of anything that she did. But rather in verse 28, as the angel said, because she was highly favoured, the Lord is with thee. And that word favoured means to be pursued by grace. Now, isn't that a lovely picture? Have you ever been chased by anybody? Just imagine being chased by the grace of God. No matter where you're going, no matter whatever you're doing, the grace of God is pursuing after you, following you. And the reason why Mary was chosen was simply because of grace. By grace, she found favour with the Lord. 
And believer, at this season of the year, never forget that because of grace, it's you and I that have found favour with the Lord. So the angel said to Mary, Thou art highly favoured. That is, you've received God's grace. And Elizabeth said to her, Blessed is she that believed. And Mary's life testifies to her faith in God and to the grace of God. And the question is, what does your life testify to? What sort of a testimony do you have today? You know, Christians are not any different to the unsaved as far as all the trials and troubles of life are concerned. But how do you respond to those? Do you respond differently to the unsaved neighbour that you've got? Because you should do. God has been gracious to you. And in the midst of your trials and your troubles, His grace can shine through your life. Don't ever fear the will of God, but rather embrace it and pray that the Lord will give you more grace to worry less and to worship Him more. And may Mary's example enable us to praise the Lord. And indeed, may we be able to take to heart that little verse that says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. May that be our testimony today for the Saviour's sake. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Our gracious God and Father in heaven, we do thank thee this morning, even Lord, for a fresh look here at Mary. And Lord, for the great example that she is to us. And Lord, we do pray indeed that thou would remember each and every brother and sister in Christ. And Lord, we pray that thou would help us to remember that indeed thy grace is sufficient for us. And in the midst of the trials and the troubles of life, we are to respond differently to the unconverted. Because we've got the Lord. We can stand on his promises. We can indeed lift up our hearts and rejoice in the grace that's been given to us. And we thank you, Lord, that we can pray about everything. So, Father, come and bless us today for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen.